Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, January 30th. Our top story today, and there are no trains running in Kent today as drivers in the Aslef Union have gone on strike. They're in a dispute with the government and operating companies over pay. It's been going on for 18 months with various industrial action across the country. Lucy's been chatting to Andy Commons from South Eastern. Those who are members of the Aslef Union were, were balloted some time ago um, and voted in favour of strike action. Uh, when that happens, ASLEF has to give uh, the operator 14 days notice um, of strikes, and then it's, it's really up to individual drivers uh, whether or not they will whether or not they will take that strike action. Clearly, the purpose of strikes is designed to be disruptive, um, and it's also there's also no requirement for drivers or, or anyone in a union to inform their employer in advance as to whether they will be going on strike. So. There may be some drivers who would be willing to work, but there's no way of us knowing that. And, and really, you know, a, a timetable is is fundamentally our promise to customers and it, it wouldn't be appropriate to advertise trains on the hope that you can run them. So while no trains is, is massively inconvenient to customers, um, it's the right thing to do because it's, it, it's the, the only sort of reliable um, situation we have today. Do you think the strike action is as disruptive as it maybe would have been five years ago? Because obviously a lot of people who might be commuting in from Kent to London could potentially work from home instead of of going into the office, which maybe wouldn't have been the case a few years ago before COVID. I think that's very fair. I think you know we, we have all um, learned to work sort of hybrid or remotely more often than we might have done pre-pandemic. Um, you know, Southeastern is a growing railway. Our customer numbers are, are going up you know, month on month, but the railway as a whole is still down, particularly on that daily commuting is down compared to how it was in, in 2019, for example. So people who commute into London absolutely have more options now than they did a few years ago. Um, I think we can see that in the fact that these these strikes have, have continued for some time, that they perhaps haven't been quite as, dis- as disruptive as they would have been previously. Uh, but for those who, who want to travel today, it's clearly immensely uh, inconvenient and disruptive and and we're very sorry for that. Why have these strikes gone on for so long? Fundamentally what we've got at the moment is is a railway which um, as I mentioned the commuter numbers are are much lower than they were sort of pre-pandemics and railway has always relied on a certain amount of of public subsidy. Um, That public subsidy remains in place today and this driver dispute is not really a dispute with Southeast and it's a national driver's dispute. That's why we've got strikes throughout the week at all operators right across the country. Um, what we really need is at a national level is for um, ASLEF and those representing the rail industry to, to sit down and, and come to an agreement as the RMT has done. So the strikes have gone on for, for, for so long because they haven't been able to come to that agreement or haven't been able to allow for local negotiations. Um, we really want that to happen, but they haven't happened so far and that that is why we are approaching you know well over a year and a half of strikes yeah it must be frustrating for you at southeastern sort of seeing some of these other disputes getting resolved and this one is still dragging on i mean are you hopeful that maybe a deal can be done soon i think we're all really hopeful because you know fundamentally no one actually wants to strike and no one really wins when you strike you know if you you speak to the drivers who are who are striking it's not something they want to do they obviously lose money when they do that um and we as an operator want to provide you know, great customer service for our customers across across our network. Um, and we're obviously not able to do that on days when there are no trains. So I think it's frustrating for all. And, and the way through this is, is to negotiate and, and come to an agreement so that ASLEF 
union can move on in the same way that the RMT union did as well. So we're really hopeful, but it is obviously tremendously frustrating for everyone. Trains in Kent will be back to normal from tomorrow. Another of our top stories today, government plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda have cleared their first major hurdle in the House of Lords. Peers voted by 206 to 84 against a motion designed to block the proposal. During the debate, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, criticised the policy. My Lords, it has already been said, and I agree with it, that the way this bill and its cousin that we debated in the summer works is to obscure the truth that all people, asylum seekers included, are of great value. We can, as a nation, do better than this bill. With this bill, the government is continuing to seek good objectives in the wrong way, leading the nation down a damaging path. It is damaging for asylum seekers in need of protection and safe and legal routes to be heard. For this, it is damaging for this country's reputation, which it contradicts even as late as last week, where the Prime Minister himself spoke eloquently on the value and importance of international law for this country. It is damaging in respect of constitutional principles and the rule of law. And most of all, my lords, it is damaging for our nation's unity in a time when the greatest issues of war, peace, defence and security need us to be united. We are united on, I think, almost all benches in agreeing the boats must be stopped and the government is to be congratulated that the number has come down. That the people smugglers who trade in human misery must be brought to justice. And it is good news that so many groups have been broken up. And we need to be united on effective controls on agreed limits to immigration. <coughs> the right way forward, though, is to enable the unity on ends to be translated into a unity on means. And that is not happening in the way these bills are successively brought to the House and brought before the country. The challenge of migration is, as has been said, long-term and global. And so must our response be. We need a wider strategy. I spoke at this at boring length in the summer, and I won't repeat it. We need a wider strategy for refugee policy which involves international cooperation and equips us for the far greater migration flows, perhaps 10 times greater, in the coming decades as a result of conflict and climate change and poverty. It'll be discussed by peers again in a couple of weeks. It comes as a former dyslexia centre in Ashford is said to be turned into a home for unaccompanied asylum-seeking children. The site on the A28 will be run by the County Council once it's been converted. It'll have 10 beds for under-16s before they're moved to other local authorities under what's known as the National Transfer Scheme. Kent Online News. A London teenager's been locked up following a knife attack that killed an 18-year-old in Dartford. Denzel Njemo suffered leg and chest 
injuries during a fight in the high street in April last year. Cress Anaruba, who's 19 and from Cricklewood, was convicted of manslaughter following a trial. He's been sentenced to 11 years behind bars. An ambulance driver has admitted causing his colleague's death when the vehicle smashed into the back of a cement lorry on the A21. Alice Clark had been in the job just two months when she died in January of 2022. Edward Riding, who's 45 and from Crowborough, has pleaded guilty to causing death by careless driving. He's due to be sentenced in April. A police officer has been seriously injured in a suspected hit and run in Ashford. He was taken to hospital after it happened in Coulter Road last Friday afternoon. A car matching the description of the one involved was found in Shuddockshurst and a 19-year-old man has been arrested. A Swanley man's been ordered to do 50 hours of unpaid work after pushing his partner during a row, causing her to hit her head. A court was told Lee Cross and the woman had been out for a drink before it happened last November. The 55-year-old from Heath Close admitted assault by beating. He's also got to do rehab sessions and pay compensation. Kent Online News. Now, this is one of our most read stories online today. Staff at a restaurant in Aylesford say they're still owed thousands of pounds in unpaid wages weeks after the business shut for good. Lucy joins me now to discuss this in more detail. So how did this issue come about? Well, bosses at the Hengist decided to close last month so one of the owners could focus on his cancer battle. David House is in hospital and says it's a really stressful time for the family. He's admitted there are things they could have done differently but insists everyone will get paid. And who are the people who have been left out of pocket? There are a number of staff who've come forward and spoken to Kent Online. One 18-year-old says he's owed £850 in wages and might have to cancel plans for a trip to New Zealand. Parents of other teenagers say pay from the restaurant has always been unreliable and inconsistent. Some workers who've been made redundant have apparently been told to claim through the government's website, but they can't do that without a redundancy letter, which the business hasn't provided. And what's been the response from the owners? Well, David's wife, Jessica, has been responding to our inquiries. She says it was a really hard decision to close the site, but her husband needs to focus on his health. She's told us some staff have been offered positions in one of their three other establishments. Bosses have also met with an insolvency practitioner who said they can't legally make payments to staff because the business has gone under. Jessica says they're still waiting for a case number to pass on to employees so they can claim their money. She insists they're doing the best they can to help with the situation. Thanks, Lucy. Some employees are also calling for compensation to be paid on top of what they're already owed. Head to Kent Online to see a picture of a 14-year-old boy reported missing from the Luton area of Chatham. Kwame Bennett hasn't been seen for two weeks. Police think he was in the Gillingham area on Sunday. They're concerned for his welfare. In happier news, a 13-year-old girl who went missing from Tunbridge Wells has been found safe and well. Olivia Gillespie disappeared yesterday morning and police thought she may have tried to travel by train train to Eastbourne. They thanked everyone who helped with the appeal. No time frame's been given for when a road in Folkestone that's been damaged in a landslide will reopen. The Road of Remembrance was closed on Saturday after trees and earth fell from a cliff edge. Highways bosses say they're assessing the damage but don't know when it'll be safe to reopen. Plans to build an underground house in Ashford have been knocked back. The developer wanted the five-bedroom property in Cholock to echo the Hollywood Hills and has vowed to keep pushing for the 500000 pound scheme to be approved. He says subterranean homes are the future. Council had concerns over its impact on the environment. Kent Online News. 
More than 1,000 people have signed a petition to save the Gravesend Tilbury ferry service over fears it's about to be cut completely. Cash-strapped KCC are deciding whether to carry on subsidising the service when the contract runs out in March. If they don't, it could be discontinued. Ebbsfleet councillor Danny Nicklin says it would be a loss to communities on both sides of the river. I was approached by many constituents about the prospect of the ferry service ending when the consultation was announced. So I started the petition because of the wealth of public feeling there is uh, to the ferry and how important and vital service it is to public, uh, local people in, the, people in the local area. I mean, how does this ferry support the local economy? In so many ways. About 107,000 people used the crosses in service last year. That's 350 a day. But it's the, the impact that this has. People using uh, the service to come and use the local uh, shops in Gravesend, family members providing childcare, people coming for medical appointments, commuters obviously coming for work is a vital, vital service and will mean so much to people and the impact on their lives if it was to, to end. What do you think about KCC? Because it's looking possible that they might pull um, the funding. They are now the sole funder about it. Should KCC stump up the cash and continue the ferry um, service? I totally understand that Kent County Council are carrying the financial commitment for this crossing in light of the problems faced by Thurrock Council. And Kent taxpayers shouldn't be expected to stump up the entire amount. However, the impact that the, service, the ferry has on people's lives, what I'm asking for is, is for Kent County Council to continue with the subsidy, come together with partners like Gresham, Dartford, Thurrock, private companies and see what we can do together to find a solution to the long-term survival of the crossing. What, what would be the impact if this ferry was to stop running? Well there's been a service, a ferry service running here since 1855. It's part of our heritage. If it was to go, what are all the alternatives? As I said, 350 people a day depend on this crossing and the impact on their lives will be significant. Their employment, their childcare, their medical appointments, visiting friends and family, the elderly visiting friends and family. What are the alternatives? Well, the consultation documents suggest using the, the crossing. Well, the crossing's already congested and a 10-minute ferry crossing then becomes about an hour round trip. There isn't really an alternative. We have to secure the long-term future of this ferry crossing. One of the arguments could be the Lower Thames crossing. If that came in, there probably would be a bus service between um, the two counties. Long-term, could that be a solution to replace the ferry? I've been a long-term proponent of the Lower Thames crossing and yes, I do welcome that and we do need another crossing here. Uh, it's a huge national infrastructure project. However, I'm talking about now. From April, we need the service because people will still need to visit friends and family. They'll still need to get to work. They'll still need to provide childcare for their families. They'll still need to attend medical appointments. We still need a crossing now. There are calls for emergency repairs for a former Aldi in Hythe with claims the empty building poses a threat to passers-by. Parts of the supermarket in the town centre are falling down. Residents say it's an eyesore and an accident waiting to happen. The future of the site is uncertain after plans for redevelopment fell through. Bosses in Maidstone have turned down proposals for a task force in a bid to improve water quality in the rivers Len and Medway. The idea was for landowners, water companies and other key organisations to work together to clean up the waterways. Council said it was a noble idea but unnecessary. Tenants living in the last remaining part of a former military barracks in Hythe could be evicted. Hay House is Grade 2 listed but has fallen into disrepair in recent years. Council bosses want to sell the building as fixing it could cost more than £1.2 million. Now, a Kent Online reporter has been braving the cold weather to have a turn at outdoor swimming at Faversham Pools. Even in sub-zero temperatures, the outdoor pool is open three times a week for 
for those who like to venture out in freezing conditions. Megan Carr has been talking to some of the other swimmers to try and get to grips with why you would take a dip through ice-cold water. Lewis is a duty manager there at the pool. He's also a keen swimmer. I always find when I do swim outside, um, I feel refreshed after. Um, I think I think it's a really good thing to do to swim outside. Um, yeah, it's really nice. I enjoy it. I mean, I can see the steam from your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is pretty cold out here today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why do people still do it when I literally can't feel my fingers? <laughs> um, I think it's just some people enjoyment. I think as well, um, a lot of people like with the beach and and things like that. I have a lot of people that come to reception and say, "Oh, I like coming to the going to the beach." So I think this is like the closest really they can kind of get to the beach. Um, and also it's a bit warmer as well than the beach. So, um, but I think people just like really enjoy it and sometimes we have to say to people oh it's time to get out now because they will just keep swimming and they keep going so perfect and what would you say to anyone that's um and ahhing about coming they think it's going to be too cold what would you say to them i would say definitely it's it's very um very very nice um i really really enjoy it um i think also as well i just think you feel really relaxed after um so yeah i really enjoy it. it's very nice so definitely come down and come outside it's, it's very enjoyable Sam Williams is a swimmer from Ashford. She's explained why she prefers outdoor swimming to an inside pool. Well, I used to do triathlons, so I've done quite a lot of open water swimming in lakes, but in a wetsuit. <laughs> I haven't swam outside just in a swimsuit before, but after the lockdown, I felt so shut in and I just wanted to get out and get swimming again, so I thought I'd give it a try and get fit at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I got the bug, so now I've come all the time. Why do you like it? I mean... You know, you've got the warm indoor pool just there, but you're choosing to come outside. Why is that? I just feel like in, when you're in the open air, you're, it's something about mindfulness and it really, really focuses your brain. And it means you have to really focus hard on the swimming. So when you swim inside, I find that I'm thinking about my shopping list or what I'm buying for dinner or my to-do list for work. Whereas I'm outside, I'm focusing purely on my swimming, on my breathing. Uh, sometimes I'm looking up at the stars and it's just a really lovely experience. You can read Megan's full report and see whether or not she'll be taking the plunge again at Kent Online. Kent Online News. The new owners of Gravesend Borough Market say they want to make it a destination people will travel to. Beer and Feast, who run the Dead Pigeon and the Greedy Banker pubs in Medway, are taking over the town centre site next month. Jamie Clark is one of the co-owners. We've got a lot of plans for the market. We're looking to turn it into a foodies paradise. Um, so we're really looking to focus on food and drink. Um, from a range of different things. Uh, We're looking to introduce uh, a food retail element into the market so you can come down and shop uh, for food and drink items. Um, We're looking to bring in some entertainment uh, which will hopefully help people stay in the market longer and attract different people to the market. Um, And we're also looking to increase what's already there with a, a street food kind of offering. We've noticed a lot of people, well, how how I go to the high street changes now like we, we we go there to to eat more than we we do shop um and i think that's you can see that changing with more eateries opening up um so yeah i, th- I think it's a good move to to turn it into something where you know people are going to come down and eat um but there will be an element of shopping within the market itself i would say get very excited this is going to be a great thing for gravesend um 
we're going to make it a destination that people from all over are going to travel to. Work is set to start on more than 100 affordable homes in Aylesford. It's been two years since plans for the development near Castor Park were first submitted. Construction is going to start in the coming weeks and be completed by 2027. If you live in Thanet, you're being asked to take part in a survey on parking. The results will help council develop an updated parking strategy that addresses the needs of the local community as well as visitors. There'll also be a drop-in session in Margate next month for anyone who can't submit their responses online. Kent Online Sports. Football now and Gillingham manager Stephen Clements has suggested more players could leave before the end of the transfer window. Defender Shay Alexander had his contract terminated yesterday. The deadline for anyone coming in or out is tomorrow. Staying with football and Ebbsfleet United have sacked their manager Dennis Katrib. It follows a 1-0 defeat to Oxford City at the weekend, which has left the fleet in the National League relegation zone. The club say it was a difficult decision, but their priority is to maintain the club's status in the division. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.